welcome to the incredibly coziest and very 141st Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. Uh, we're here today to talk about board games, which is what we're pretty much always here to talk about. Mm-hmm. I'm Ava Foxfort, and I'm joined here by uh, Matthew Lease. That's me. And I'm I'm fully cozy at this point. I'm in very my pajamas. Um, I'm, I'm neck deep in a vat of Ovaltine, <laughs> uh, and I'm ready to, to be to be really cozy and and talk about some some little cozy boxes that we might that people might enjoy i described this in the weekly update posts that we put up on monday so that people know what's coming up on the website over the course of the week i described this as the cozy core podcast because we're all going to be talking about cozy (laughs) games and i kind of desperately wanted to make that sound younger and cooler than it is when clearly actually what i'm talking about is getting some hot chocolate and putting some slippers on right that's it i don't know i don't know what i mean i i know what cottage core is but i don't know what cozy core is i guess it is just light a fire put some slippers on um sit in front of a, the warm glow of a television for me probably if i'm entirely honest watch a film from the 80s on the television uh, not necessarily even a good one just just one of them uh, always the risk that your coziness gets interrupted by something deeply 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 problematic <laughs> so that's why sometimes we shouldn't go back in time uh, but for today let's just imagine we're going back in time as we slip on some slippers drink a little hot drinky and look at some small board games that's right we're going to be talking about herbaceous a game of herb gardens we're going to be talking about whatnot cabinet a game about making collections of things and we're going to be talking about fairy trails a game where gnomes and fairies try and stay out of each other's way and what could be cozier than that So, first up, I want to talk about a little game called The Whatnot Cabinet. Uh, This is new from Pencil First Games. Uh, Designers Eduardo Baraf, Steve Finn and Keith Matejka. Maybe pronouncing that wrong. Apologies, Keith. And with art by Beth Sobel and Kim Robinson. Um, Now, this is a game about having a collection of whatnots. Whatnots being things. So, you could call it The Whatnot Cabinet. It turns out there is actually a piece of furniture called The Whatnot that is a little thing for keeping all of your whatnots on and it's called a whatnot which disappoints me because it means that this game could have been called the whatnot whatnot Uh, but I guess then no one would know what was going on. Um, The game is about going for little walks, finding lovely little objects, leaves and um, statues and shells and rocks and collecting those and popping them into a little cupboard. Um, So everyone's got their own cupboard And you'll be taking turns to take a range of actions that will let you take things into your hands. Once you've got those into your hands, you put them into your cabinet in whichever order you like. Um, And all of the spice and tightness and beef of this comes from the fact that your cabinet is assessed in a couple of different ways. Uh, Depending on whether you're going horizontal or vertical, and it's a three by four cabinet with the verticals being taller, you get bonus points for each row or column, like whether you've got things that have a matching type or a matching colour, or if you've got all different, then that is not as good as having all matching. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you see, I thought this was going to go the other way. I thought this was going to be one of those games where it's like, in most games, you want to try and have matching sets. But I'm thinking in in a whatnot world, Surely it's about just having a bric-a-brac selection of, of whatnots. Your, your bits and your things and your whatnots. For somebody who didn't know that a whatnot was a type of f- furniture until about five 
minutes ago at best. I'm now taking a pretty hard line on the whatnot world. Uh, <laughs> and I'm having a delightful time Googling whatnot furniture and looking and realizing it's a, it's a deeply formless style of furniture in a way, which is lovely. You know, it just, you get all sorts of different shapes and sizes of things. And it's making me think, oh, I could probably make some whatnot furniture to delight and horrify uh, those who have to live with me. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's genuinely one of the problems with the game is that it's got the most adorable theme of just collecting things and just putting them in the thing. But like, what you're looking for with something like that is that like completely random hodgepods. Um, whereas this implies that anybody who gets into this as as a scheme is like has very very specific militant preferences for how things are displayed, um, and yeah, and that is that comes from these rows for the rows and the columns and what you can get different points for, and there's also a couple of achievement type cards that are like oh if you can get four completely different things or so there's all sorts of different things pulling you at the points, uh, but what this means to some extent is that the core of the game. Is actually a very, very, very gentle push your luck thing of like when you place a thing, that like the first thing you place is fine. It doesn't really matter where it's go. But as the more things go in, the more it is, if I put that there, then that means I'm gambling on having exactly this thing in this position. And is that going to come up? Is that not going to come up? So I, I'm getting over the fact now that this whatnot cabinet is not encouraging you to, to sporadically collect all sorts of whatnots and arrange them in a way which is visually pleasing and yet also disparate and strange so how exactly do you score in this then is it just sets is it just having neat sets of things so basically each column is focused on color and each row is focused on the type of object so for example if you uh the oh, best... okay. Now that is quite pleasing. I'm coming back. I'm coming back around to this cabinet, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely there's something about it. So, like, you always get more points for having the same of something. If you've managed to get a column that is all one color, that's the best. If you manage to get a column where everything is a different color, completely different color, um, then that is the second best and is worth a little bit less points, but still worth some points. Anything else doesn't get you anything. So if you start going for same colours and you end up with three blues and one red at the bottom, you, you're, you're out of the game for those points. Now, there's other ways of getting points with the achievement type things that will be looking for specific arrangements or, uh, or things in addition to that. Uh, and the rows are doing exactly the same thing, slightly less points because they're um, each uh, smaller, but it's about types. So if you can get three leaves in a row, that's three points. If you can get a shell, a rock and a bottle, in a row that's one point um and and that that's it that's that's basically that's most your of shelf the game. that's your shelf that's how you're scoring stuff um the other side of it is this action board that lets you do more taking or more flexible taking the later in the round you're willing to be next turn um and has a couple of different options for how you're going to be taking tiles in order to put them into your cabinet um but that's that that's that's it. That's the whole game. It's two quite simple decisions. Where are you going to put your thing and how willing are you to chase for exactly the right thing that you want? Um, and play it for a few rounds and then you're done. And it's quick and simple and nice and cosy. Is there any scope to like change the shape of the shelf? Because I've looked at what not shelves and they're, they're all very... Sometimes they're pure higgledy-piggledy. <laughs> no, sadly, like it, it does absolutely aim to appeal to like the the most 
pedantic and finicky version of this person because it's a board game and we're often pedantic and finicky. You know, I found myself naturally brainstorming a reality of a game where I was thinking, well, how, it, would it be possible to make a game where you, you know, you're trying to make a nice attractive shelf of, of whatnot bits and bobs where you just have a bag of different things and then the tile placement is all based on what you think will look nice when it's finished <laughs> and then you like maybe have a scoring system where you take a photograph of it and put it on social media and you'll get <laughs> collated by an official account and pe- and then you wait 24 hours to see who won in your game based on who whose image got liked the most <laughs> i mean i think you've just in- reinvented the parish council matt <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh i have yeah never mind I don't think we need another one of them. I think yeah. one parish council was probably enough. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a pleasant a pleasant thing. Question yeah. mark. No, it, it it's pleasant. Um, I think it falls short in a couple of dimensions. The action board is a little bit less clear than it needs to be for a game that's this simple and accessible. You want everything to be like so quick and easy to understand, and the manual and the action board kind of lets it down a little bit on that front. Mm. Um, and I just. honestly the thing about wanting it to be like way more higgledy piggledy and joggledy boggledy which isn't a word joggledy boggledy (laughs) that is i mean that is one of my favorite new isn't a words isms joggledy boggledy i gotta write that down that's what it's not got enough of there's 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 you know there's five different types of objects and there's five different colors um and obviously all of this stuff needs to be super clear um for it to be legible and be playable so i can understand the compromises they've made but like in terms of like it's such a lovely theme and it feels harsh to be like measuring it against that theme of like let's make a nice collection of stuff but then it's let's make a nice collection of stuff but actually if you are as obsessed with uh little figurines of animals as you are in your real life you're not going to be flexible enough to win this game and also (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wanted there to be like more joy of discovery from looking and seeing the new things and being like, oh my word, what's this? And it's not. It's just, oh look, that rock's purple. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a shame. Like, And I do think that's a fair criticism though, because, you know, at the end of the day, people when they're making games are aware of the fact that when they're coming up with these themes and coming up with these ideas, they are trying to come up with something that is a different twist on something and not just like, this is a cupboard. Can you organize cupboard neat? <laughs> In this case, it's not like I'm going to be like, this is problematic use of furniture. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's like, come on. You, if you're going to do that, if you're going to be like, call it the whatnot cabinet and not the cabinet, then then where's the whatnots? Get yeah, that yeah, whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amp that whatnot up to 10, please. Yeah. I want it to be a whatnot, whatnot, and I want there to be more whatnots on that whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to a game I've been playing a little bit, Athenium, which I really, I can't really cover properly until I've played it with more than two people with real hands in real life because it's a card drafting game. And as we now know, card drafting games are the worst thing to play on digital versions of board game websites. Um, but that's again, it's 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 neatly organizing books into combinations of shapes on a bookshelf, and it is just a game of of stacking up bookshelves and i absolutely adore the fact that it's a game where you are stacking up books in a library for wizards and you are wizards in a library and it's like well how does it work matt how do you stack up books it's like well you can't just stand up a book in the middle of a bookshelf it has to be leaning against the edge of a bookshelf or another book and you can't just pull out a book from the bottom shelf if there's a book above it and it's like okay so 
physically it has all the rules of a normal bookshelf there's no there's no element of like but you're wizards so it's all like no the books themselves contain information on magic, but there is absolutely no magic involved in, in the systems <laughs> of this game. To be fair to it, Athenium does make up for some of that thing by having like a sense of discovery and wonder in the fact that like the oh, names yeah. they've come up with for the books on that are clever and funny and you want to show them to people and that's the 100%. thing that's lacking from my whatnot cabinet is like i actually some of them are pretty i mean they're all pretty the, the illustrations are gorgeous but they're not exciting they're not something that i would actually pick up if i found it in the forest and go oh i'm gonna take that home and keep that so that's a lovely little game and i'm gonna come back to another game by the same designers at the end of the podcast that i think is a little Ooh. bit sharper and a little bit cooler um, oh, whilst being geez. equally pretty uh but let's first hear from matt yeah well i've played another little cozy cozy little game recently in a very tiny cozy box and it's by a designer you may have heard of called uve rosenberg <gasps> and uh, it's called fairy trails and i can't resist a, a little uve on on an evening um, i've had this in my collection stack that came along via post people for a while and it is a game of gnomes versus fairies and it's a tile laying game whereby you have this collection of tiles that you're drawing and playing like cards and you're effectively trying to fence off uh <laughs> fence off your people from the other people it's a game of of, of borders and, and hatred it's, <laughs> it's a very cute game uh, oh, whereby yeah. basically the emphasis is that the fairies and the gnomes both live in the forest, but both of them, crucially, just want to be left alone. <laughs> they don't, they don't <laughs> want to be involved with anyone else, uh, which is kind of sweet in a way, the idea that there are forests full of fairies and gnomes, and they do exist, and they, we don't see them because humans don't want them to be seen, which, of course, uh, for anyone listening, is true. That's true. Um and the way that the game works is you put these tiles down and each of these tiles have either a yellow or a pink section of path coming off of them and wheedling through them sometimes in multiple directions. So imagine these square tiles as being a little bit like something you might see in a game like Pipeline of having different pipes shooting off. You might have a pink one going from the left and then going up to the top and then on the bottom half of it you've got a yellow one coming in from the right and going down the bottom. But rather than being these neat sharp uh, pipes they are slightly wiggly little bright pathway trails in the forests and coming off of some of these are little houses are little houses for gnomes or little houses for fairies so what wait one player is gnomes and one player is fairies and never the twain shall meet and you've got to try and exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly it's a brutal war for territory and never the twain shall meet so <laughs> the way that the game effectively works is you're putting down these tiles and you are connecting pathways. And interestingly, what you're trying to do is to close off your pathways so you can actually finish them. And the way it works is you have these little round gems in the box, which effectively you place on the houses of either your fairies or your gnomes, depending on who you're playing as, at the point at which those houses are now on a route which is closed. So it could be a loop or it could just be a stretch. But effectively, what you're trying to do is place tiles in a manner so you're adding more and more houses to your little uh, sprawling trail. Because often these things are not as simple as being one line. They're going to fork off in multiple directions. And then trying to place tiles in a way that actually allows you to create a contained road. So you can actually properly 
give all of the fairy houses or gnome houses numbers and you know where the mails are going to go to etc <laughs> and you've got a contained system now in reality the way this works is people placing things to try and create these elaborate little networks of houses so they can eventually close it off and then put down maybe six or seven or eight or nine of these little stones at once and score loads of points and the first player to get rid of all of their little stones to fill up all the houses that they have to fill up is the winner but in reality what happens is you're both trying to close off your little areas whilst also trying to close off the other players areas before they become too ambitious and more importantly trying to continually extend um the areas of other people so they can't close them off so you're just constantly trying to blow off these incredible networks of uh fairy houses in a fashion that makes it look like a construction project that's been massively hampered by a recession um, <laughs> and just keeps starting up for a bit and getting bigger and bigger and then never getting finished. So it sounds a bit like it's it's the roads of Carcassonne only with like everything being roads and there's hundreds of them and they're all wiggly and you a yeah. lot more capacity for being a Carcassonne hole. And somebody and like one person doesn't want your roads to ever end. Yeah um so rather than just being because the roads don't go anywhere is the crucial thing yeah. they, they might sometimes end on a house or end on nothing but mostly they just sort of spiral around and it's this lovely thing of you get a hand of 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 pieces to place on the table and you might find one and be like oh this this yellow thing is horrendous like and you might be playing as the pink player and you might look at this and go and have a tile which basically is a, a a yellow road that shoots off in three different directions and that usually in a two-player head-to-head game you think well this is a piece that's useful for them and not me but actually if you place it in the right area and you're able to follow it up with more sprawling connections you could be creating a real headache for the other player and it becomes a bit of a race effectively you know you can be trying to just close off lots of little small enclosures and gradually chipping away and getting points but really towards the end of the game it becomes a race to try and finish up what has likely become a huge sprawling network that if you can just close it off, you're going to be able to drop all of your things on at once whilst the other player tries to do the same thing. And I've got to be honest, at that point in the game, it is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a hellscape of abstraction. I'm not good at abstract games, right? And I struggle with them. And there was one we played a while ago, um, I think when we were at a convention, which was an abstract game involving druid placement of these little tiny plasticky druids on a very trippy landscape. And it did my head in and I couldn't do it because it was like looking at a magic eye picture, but then also you had to play it. And within the first five minutes of playing Fairy Trails, I thought, oh, this is a lovely little two-player game. I'm very much enjoying this. And then we got to a point where we had a huge network of these tiles on the table and just trying to scan and look around all of these tiny little wibbly trails and trying to check how many of them were still open, how many were still closed, was just really stressful. <laughs> and, uh, and I just found, just really didn't gel with me in the way that I like things to be in like games to play. But it was something that I thought, okay, this is this has now basically become like doing a jigsaw puzzle where you are just scanning and scanning and scanning, trying to notice edges of things and i thought well if you're the sort of person who loves that it's really like i could imagine it being a game that might be quite good for young children in the fact that you're effectively playing a live maze all the time <laughs> and having to scan around these edges and find you know is this a complete maze does it have any edges still left yeah. um but for me uh as an adult who gets stuck with ap 
and doesn't know what to do sometimes and really when faced with a majestically complex <laughs> web of interconnecting things just freezes um, it, it became an intensely stressful experience okay so a game for stressed out fairies and names. i mean to be honest it sounds pretty great to me like i quite like the idea of just like having to get lost in something and then finally counting it up at the end and realizing you've been missing a load of edges all the time is it a challenge to actually count up and do the final scoring at the end like is it uh... no there there isn't any is the right thing. you literally just... just have a finite amount of these stones and you're only allowed to place them at the point where all of the houses are in a fully confined right area. so it's a race to get all of those stones down and then that's and that's it yeah. oh that sounds great can you can you send it up to me <laughs> Yeah, happily. Brilliant. I'll happily send it up to you because it's like it's a sort of thing where I played it and I thought this is too much for me. Really enjoyable start, but towards the end it was like weirdly stressful to the point where I was just kind of glad when it was over. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, we're done. I can stop endlessly scanning this weird network to count and make sure it's all closed off. But I can see that it's something that some people would just adore. Um, it just I just found it. It looked really cozy and nice, and then it took over my. It was a bit like the. Um, what they called the things in gremlins if they look really cute and nice and then it just took over my house and my table in a way that i was was quite alarming <laughs> and uh and slightly stressful but still fun yeah, uve yeah. does have a bit of a record for games that look like they're going to be simple and nice and friendly but actually a, a lot more ruthless right because patchwork has that i, has I don't that know thing. i mean patchwork yeah patchwork you're right i guess it goes one of two ways it's either that or it's the complete opposite of stuff like um, you know where it's like you put you set it up on the table and then you go oh my gosh this looks like the most horrendously complex thing I've ever seen but actually when it's explained to you it's actually quite simple it's it's, it's one way or the other it's either this looks like a hellscape oh it's not so bad actually or this looks really simple and fun and then oh I'm trapped help this is <laughs> this is terrifying puzzle land um but yeah, I think it's the sort of thing where you can really, if you have a little look up of it online and look at what the tiles look like, you'll get a sense pretty quickly of of whether or not that's the sort of thing that's going to extrapolate into being a hellish puzzle or a fun one. Because it does seem like it's purposefully designed to be almost like a little brain teasy uh, yeah. rather than being something that's going to be easy to scan and check. Yeah. Uh, which is, if it's if it's your kind of speed, then it might be your kind of thing. But for me, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I, I didn't imagine... Uh, of being an insular fairy would be as stressful as it was <laughs> yeah so possibly needs a little bit of a warning on the box but right for some people just not necessarily everyone who's tried to pick it up so now we've gone for a little walk in the woods and collected a load of odd things for a cupboard and just got completely lost in the woods let's return back to a nice cozy garden and start picking some herbs um, this is a game that's actually came out in 2017, but has just had a release uh, in a pocket edition, and it is Herbaceous, again, by Eduardo Baraf and Steve Finn, with Keith Latejka, I still hope I'm pronouncing that right, providing a solo mode, with art by Benjamin Shulman and Beth Sobel again. Um, and this game is is one of my favourite, like, easy things to put in front of people that you know is always going to gonna land pretty well um herbaceous is a game about herbs um and it's fairly straightforward each player has four different containers they've got their small pots that want pairs of herbs they've got their big pot that wants lots of herbs that are the same um they've got um a little wooden planter um that wants all sorts of different um herbs in it and doesn't want anything the same in it and they've got the special the special glass jar 
for special herbs. Um, so each of these are scoring in a slightly different way and encouraging you to get different sorts of sets, which is reminiscent of the whatnot cabinet, only with these different pots looking after different things. Um, but it's simpler because it is just that. Like you can see straight off, you've got cards in front of you telling you what you can score for doing what. But in order to plant herbs first, or actually after in the turn order, you've got to collect herbs. So the way I've always visualized it is that you are living in a block of flats and you've got your little garden on your balcony. Um, and there's a mm -hmm. community herb garden that is run by an incredibly incredibly like borderline fascistic community association i mean you're you're just describing my exact living situation <laughs> yeah so there we go yeah well it's it, it's that thing it's that thing where there's a shared resource but it's very specific how you're supposed to use it so after you've done any potting that you want to do you're allowed to uh take herbs or plant herbs in the garden um, and this is divided into two sections there's a community garden that anyone can access and there's a private garden that is just yours. So on your turn, you will take a card, look at it, and be like, okay, that's some saffron. Where do I want to plant that? Do I want to plant it in the community garden where anyone can have it, or the private garden where I can have it? Um, obviously, you'd always pick the private garden, except after you've planted the first herb, you have to take a another card, and it goes into the opposite garden. So if you put something in your private garden, you're going to be blind drawing something that might be better that you have to put in the community garden or the other way around. So you're always going to be doing one thing with a choice and then one thing blind. And you only do that and you have to do that after you've plotted herbs. And when you're planting herbs, you're allowed to take any number of herbs into one pot from both the community garden and your private garden. And after that, you're planting, which means that every time you draw cards you're making the community pot bigger for the next person who may decide to just grab all of the things that you were hoping you could nab and now it's too late so it's another simple push your luck thing but where everything is based on what the people around you are going to do and what they're likely to be going for and you can and everything's really clear and laid out in front of you there's no kind of hidden information um it's just the random draw your decisions when you get where are you going to plant and when are you going to pot and I, I love it. It's simple. It's <laughs> when nice. you're going to plant, when you're going to plant. <laughs> Answer me. Um, and it's all with these illustrated cards that are just a massive close up of some lovely herb pictures um, mm. with the label of the name of what it is on top of it. And, and, and that's it. That's the whole game. Yeah, I've been having a look at the, um, the art for the cards and they are very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Like very use, good use of, of not having any framing, just having full, full card art, nice close up painting of some herbs. And that's it. Eat the herbs, fill your boots. Although don't eat all of them. You don't want to eat raw lavender, for example. <laughs> you don't want to eat all of them no you don't want to eat all of them but they're all nice to have around actually i hate lavender but that's a different subject um and one of the things it does the thing that i think with like a quite simple rule set um fairly straightforward scoring and like only a couple of simple straightforward decisions it does the thing that i like games to do absolutely the most which is to care so much about something really unimportant and frivolous so like the fact that like someone will go oh my god saffron <laughs> in that tone of voice and with that level to of anger angry about saffron it's a great spice i love saffron and i don't use it often enough i have it 
but then I'm always because it's expensive and you don't get much of it. It's just something that then sits in a, a thing, and I'm like, oh, don't use the saffron, don't use the saffron because it's expensive. And it's like, no, you you don't need much of it. Just use it. I did forget that I uh, was talking to someone who already cared incredibly passionately about herbs, and so possibly wasn't the uh, the market segment I was going for. <laughs> Okay, that's enough of our incredibly sometimes angry podcast, sometimes frustrated, sometimes loving about cupboards, uh, paths in the woods, and herbs. That's uh, that's yeah. Two of the two of the older members of the cast of Shut Up and Sit Down there having a, having a nice ramble around a selection of of. Cozy games. And I will mention, actually, uh, earlier this week on the website, we put up a video of my review of The Red Cathedral, which is a game which is kind of cozy, kind of not. Comes in a cozy small box and is ostensibly a small little Euro game about working together to build a cathedral. It's actually quite crunchy and gently bitey in a fun way, uh, but I think also has a has a cozy vibe to it. So that's definitely worth having a look at if you like the idea of watching a video with your uh, ears and eyes. It's the most densely packed box that I've ever played, I think. Quite small and actually a promising like a much bigger game than you expect. The thing that I think is amazing about the Red Cathedral is it's the density of ideas and the density of detail within it. It's an incredibly dense game mechanically mm. in a small package that somehow still looks quite relaxed and sparse when it's on the table. I think it's a real feat um, of uh, space and time engineering uh, that's uh, pretty impressive. And the centre of that board is absolutely gorgeous, right? Mm, what a rondel. Wolf bang pow. What a rondel. <laughs> uh, it's it's a delight. It really is. And uh, I've the review I've, I'm editing today is a pretty dry review, really. No jokes, just a lot of love for a little box. Uh, so you should check that out if that sounds like it might be your speed of things. And yeah, that's about all the podcast that we wrote for this week of the Shut Up and Sit Down board game podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed it, then yeah, you can do it multiples of things. You can go and give it a review on a multitude of platforms. If you are an Apple person, you can give it a review and some stars. Those things really do make a difference. I don't understand how, because the internet is strange, but they do. Otherwise, you can maybe tell a friend and be like, hey, this podcast is about board games. It's every week. And I like it. Do what you like. Live your life. But thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.